Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. But we have just been finishing a series called Reset, and it's been phenomenal. We talked about setbacks, we talked about setups. Uh, we talked about um, set in. Sometimes you just got to stand in your faith and you've got to set in and do what God's called you to do. And so today my assignment is set forth. I want to see God do something in your life where you are mobilized. Come on, because when the church is mobilized, things get done. Things get done. You know, we have, we're in a time <coughs> where there is a lot of activism in our country. A lot of activism. And people are like, you know, now it's like, you know, I remember when we started way back in the day. I'm going to go back to Zanga, MySpace. Come on, anybody, any Zanga or MySpacers? Um, and it was like, you always listed your profile by what you did, but now it's like, people are like, breathing, activist. You know, it's like, it's like, that's the second thing. But here's the thing, as a Christian, we should be active. We should be active in people's life. We should be active in the community. We should be active loving people. We, we should be active in demonstrating and promoting the gospel. Because here's the thing. We understand if you're a believer, if you're not, man, we're so glad that you're here. You are brave. And um, if you're a first-time guest, we are just so excited that you're here. We know how awkward it can be to walk into a church. Um, that's established and you're like, man, I don't even know these people. What are they like? And most of us are awesome. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, but uh, um, the reality is uh, we're people trying to follow God. And you're not going to find perfect people here. You're, you're going to find people who love God, who are trying to put it together, and are trying to get freedom and focus in their life. So that they can do something. And, and, and we're, we're, this is not a, a judgment church. This is a freedom church. We want to see God do something in your life. As we begin to talk, um, I love the concept of resetting. You know, it's exciting no matter where you're at in life. And I don't know if you've ever done this. <coughs> but... Have you ever met someone that you thought, wow, they're really jacked up? I mean, don't, don't call it out. Don't say it. If they're here, don't say it. No nudging. Okay, no nudging. But have you ever met anybody that you thought, whoo, Lord, I'm glad I don't live with them or her or him or that or, you know what I'm saying? Have you ever met anybody that's just like, whoo, man, if they got saved... It's funny, when we, when we first started the church, a lot of people coming in and getting saved, and, um, and we still want a lot of people to get saved, but, but it was amazing when people would come in, <coughs> we would hear concepts like, this is my first time in church, and I thought the walls would fall down. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, because they just thought, man, I, I can't come to church. I don't even understand. I, I, I don't, it's been so long. I've done so many bad things. How could I come to church? But can I tell you that this is the safest, best place for you? This is the safest, best place for you. And, you know, I just want you to know as we begin that there is never a time when people can't transform their life. 
God can always move all the time. And regardless of if we think people are too far gone, they're never too far gone. People are never, it's not, it's not ever over enough. There are never people that you meet, oh man, God can't save that person. God can do whatever God wants to do in, God, in, in people's lives, and it's not over. And I, and I say that to a spouse, I say that to a parent, I say that to someone who's holding on to a promise, that even though it looks bad, come on somebody, it's not over. It's not over. This morning we're going to talk a little while about a man who had a great, um, a great change that happened in his life. A great change that happened, and it was a conversion that happened, and it's amazing because he went from a murderer to a missionary, from a terrorist to, to someone who was teaching theology. He went from uh, someone who was a destroyer of the church to a developer of his people. This morning, I want to look at the incredible transformation of Saul to Paul as we end this series called Reset. In Acts chapter 9, and we'll put it up there, Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to go ahead and take a little drink. Here you go. I see you. Thank you. Thank you, Dev. You know, as we look at this, I want to go, go ahead and, and I want to open this verse. I'm going to read this whole chapter, but I want to read a couple verses and then stop. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked for a letter from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that he may be found, so that he may find any who are of the way, whether men or women, and he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Saul is hunting Christians. He wants to shut down the church. He wants to stop the revival. He wants to end it. We got to end this. We're, we're done. How dare this new thought come up because you know what? God has already set, Moses has already set the law. You, are, you guys are destroying the church and he is adamant about shutting it down. We're going to shut this down. It's amazing when you look at the hardness of Saul's heart and the passion that moved through him to stop the work that God was doing. Saul was an activist. How could his life change? Do you know that he, we don't read of him in a moment where he was contemplative. It wasn't like he was sitting on a rock thinking about the greatness and the vastness of God and Jesus. Now, he may have been contemplating, he may have been thinking about it, but we, we don't know. All we know is what is happening in the text. And the text is that he is bent on destroying the church and ending it. That's what we know. But I want to encourage you today, don't ever count anybody out. Don't ever count anybody out. You never know what great moment will set forth something great in somebody's life. And I believe that great moments still happen. I believe great moments are supernatural. I believe that God can do great moments at any time. And God is the one that can break addiction. He can break, come on, He can overcome. God can do some things that we can't do. And you never know when your moment, when it's time. Right. <coughs> As we begin today to talk about set forth, I want to break this story down. And I want to talk about some things. When you think about set forth, it's more like a journey. And I remember about 17, 18 years ago, 
my sister moved from Little Rock to Los Angeles. And I had to get there, pack her all up, and then drive, like, forever. Um, and 17 years ago, the speed limit was 65. And so the governor was set at 60. So you could, if you went over 60, the engine shut down for five, um, I guess, uh, five speed seconds. Uh, and, and it wouldn't kick back in until 55. And so it was constantly frustrating because I had to figure out how to ride this U-Haul right at 59 and a half. You know what I'm saying? I was, because I, I would have gone, I'm sorry, I know I'm a sinner, I've fallen short, but I would have gone 90. And, and, so, and, and so I was having to be at 59 point, ha! Ah! And so I would remember, and there was no, I mean, 17 years ago, I mean, life has changed. They had AM and FM radio. And so I would remember, I would start singing a song, and the governor would turn on, and, and, and I would go down to 55. And, and I, I, I felt like this is, trip is taking forever. It's taking forever. If I had my own vehicle, I would have already been there. Have you ever thought in your Christian life, this is hard? This is hard. It was much easier being a heathen, staying out at night. Come on, somebody. Living it up. It was so much easier. But you know what? If you really remember, it wasn't easier. It was destroying you. Being a crowded room and lonely. Thinking you have friends, but really when you need people, everybody's so caught up in their stuff that they can't help you and give you any word of wisdom or anything. It's amazing how when we start to transform our lives, we begin to look back and go, huh, it was sure easier back then, but you weren't as free. And I want to walk through a process of being set forth because I feel like God has something great for every one of you, regardless of your background, regardless of your history, regardless of what God's done in your life. And I'm here to tell you, don't you quit. Don't you quit. You keep going. You keep doing what God has called you to do because there is ministry. Check this. There is ministry in you. There is ministry in you. Not, we, you know, sometimes we look around, especially in church, and we look, oh, Oh, if I was more like them, or if I was more like that, or if I, if I had that, or if I had that, and we look at people. I don't know if you look at people, but, but everybody looks at people. And here's what I'm telling you, is that God has a plan for your life and something for you to do, and God doesn't want you looking around at everybody else. He wants you to handle, come on, you. He wants you to handle you. <coughs> As we look at this, Acts chapter 8, I mean 9, verse 3 through 22. And he journeyed and came to near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? I think that's funny. I just think that's funny. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if you randomly go up to someone and you're like, Hey, I got something to tell you, and they, you've never met them, and then all of a sudden they know your name. That's kind of what I was like, that's kind of a, it's one of those moments. You know what? You don't have to explain God when God shows up. And if you're always having to explain what God is when he shows up, then maybe that's not God. Maybe that's sensation. 
Because when God shows up, people know. When God shows up in your heart, you can't stop. You, 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 you can't get enough. You're, you're ready. You, you're, you're, okay, I am captivated. Come on, anybody know about being captivated? Anybody know about a moment when all of a sudden I'm not focused on anything else? You've got my attention? This is that moment. <coughs> and he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord says, I am Jesus, whom you have persecuted. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembled, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I want to spend a little time talking about this first part as we get into this. You know, I believe that there are some great things that happen in church. I believe there's teaching. I believe that there's ministry. I believe that there's serving. I believe all of those are huge portions, and we'll talk about that here a little later. But I want to talk about five ways that you can reset your life. Five ways that I feel like you can reset your life no matter where you're at. And everybody's looking for a fresh start. If you're a sports team, if you're a politician, if you're a company, if you're a marriage that's drifted a little bit from your being romantic, if you're a parent that's been preoccupied with business and bills, everybody drifts. And sometimes we got to come back and we've got to reset some things in our life. You know what? You used to be really strong in prayer. You used to be really strong in some of these areas. And all of a sudden, you've kind of just gotten busy. Anybody ever know about drifting? Anybody ever drifted? Come on, it's very easy to drift where I have a conviction, but I'm drifting. I'm drifting. You know, I think that as we look at this, I want to give you five ways to reset your life. And the first one is this. There has to be a moment. If you're going to reset your life, there has to be a moment. And listen, I think church is great. And church helps communicate Jesus. But church isn't Jesus. It's where we learn and disciple and grow. And, 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 and I, I mean, I moved my family up here to start a church. So church is, I love it. But you have to have a moment. There has to be a moment in worship. There has to be a moment at the altar. There has to be a moment in your faith. Because here's the deal. If you don't have the moment, then you live under the law. And you're always trying to figure out how to do right and be right. Because if I'm right, then God will accept me. No, 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 no. God is accepting you. And he's interrupting your life so that he can speak into your life. Come on, somebody. Because God has something for you. And that moment shifts everything in your life. Paul is about to go to work, but he's not doing it to be good. He's doing it because Jesus interrupted his life, and he knew this is God. Have you had a moment in your own life? You know, some things can be taught, and some things have to be caught. And there has to be an experience. And church, if we don't have experiences with the Lord, if we don't have experiences with the Holy Spirit, if we don't have experiences, listen, I would have never married my wife. Come on, somebody, without an experience. I had to see her walking by and go, hey, what up, girl? How you doing? What's up, baby? There had to be a little bit of that. If there was none of that, then it was just like, okay, you seem successful. You've gone to college. You have done some things. Cool, you want to get married? Let's do this business deal. Here's what I, here are my terms. If you want to agree with that, you just sign this contract. We'll march on down. We'll, we'll say I do. And then as long as you fulfill your end of the bargain, then we'll contractually live together and share the kids. We'll share the house. 
share the car. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't any of that. All of a sudden, I heard her laugh, and I was sucked in the vortex. You know what I'm saying? I was like, oh. <laughs> she laughed at my jokes, and I was like, okay. Started telling another one. She laughed. I told another one. I thought, this is God. <laughs> there has to be a moment. But that moment causes change. See, here's the deal. Because I was attracted, because there was an experience, because there was this thing, now in me, I, I, I choose to get all the stuff out of me that would hinder our relationship. Like, it's not gonna go forward if I don't get some freedom, if I don't learn how to control my anger, if I don't learn how to control how I talk. If I, and so in order to keep this, I've gotta clean this. Does that make sense? That's what God wants to do in our life. God wants to come in to your life and provide a moment that gives you revelation. Not information. I'm for information. I think information is great, but information will not save your life. Come on, I, I remember, I went to school in Texas. We did Dare Week. Come on, any red, red ribbon, ribbon weeks? Say that five times fast. Come on, in the fourth grade, we did the Awareness Red Ribbon Week. And that was harder than you thought. And so in fourth grade, they sat us down. And at that time, everybody was like, no more smoking. And so they showed a video of this woman that had a little thing. And she's like, I should have never started smoking. And, and we, I was in the fourth grade, and, and all my friends, and we're all glued to this. And this woman had started smoking like when she was like nine. And she had throat cancer, and we're all like making vows, cutting covenants. Never, you know what I'm saying? We're never gonna smoke ever. Because we don't wanna be like that. Because nobody can understand them. Fifth grade, we wear a ribbon. They have an assembly in the gym, and we're, we're playing, and it's we'll never, we'll never do drugs. Sixth grade. Seventh grade, eighth grade, some of my, my people, they're on the corner. I'm like, do you remember? <laughs> you forgot! Red ribbon! We signed a contract! Information does not save you. Revelation saves you. Revelation. And sometimes there's got to be a moment where Jesus gets with you and opens your eyes and changes everything in you so that you're not doing what's right. You're doing your calling. I got to be right and so that's, that's heavy. And I'm not saying that God is for holiness and God doesn't, God doesn't want us sinning and, 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 and all, all of this is fine. But I'm just saying that Saul was not great. Now I got to repent. He, he, had, he had come into a moment with Jesus 
And he wanted to be in what was true. Don't live a lie. Don't live a lie. Don't think that it's better over here. It ain't better over there. Don't think that happiness comes when you get the raise or happiness comes when you get the car or happiness, come on, comes when you get to upgrade your house or happiness gets to come when you move out of the apartment or happiness comes when you get rid of that dog. Well, that may happen then. But, but you know, I'm just saying, happiness comes when you, get, when you have a cat. Whatever it is, that's the world. The world says, well, get something and you'll be happy. But come on, we all remember being excited about a Christmas present. And then two months later, you can't even find it. <laughs> Thank you, I wanted this. Where I have no idea. <laughs> Revelation is necessary to connect with Christ. And, and listen, a, a revelation is much deeper than information. The second thing that happens is we're talking about five ways to reset your life. You know what? There's times you have to willingly repent. You have to repent. I love this story because in verse 6, here's what Paul says. He said, trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? In other words, you got me. I'm arrested by your presence and the awe of who you are. I, what do you want me to do? What do you want me? Listen, our marriages will take off when we get into the position, what do you want me to do? Our lives will begin to walk in freedom. What do you want me to do? Our relationship with our kids, what do you want me to do? Not, here's what y'all need to do. Here's what my wife, here's what she, man, I'm going to tell you, this marriage would take off if she. <laughs> or if he. God, what do you want me to do? When's the last time that we've been in a moment where we said, God, what do you want me to do? Ask, what do you need to do? Repentance. Repentance is a, it, it, it works the heart. It massages the heart. And here's the deal. Repentance isn't bad. It's a tool for you to walk in health. When you repent, come on. The Bible teaches that repentance isn't just my bad or I'm sorry. But it is a turning away and walking somewhere different. Repentance is a tool that God gives to fuel in you peace and his presence. Acts chapter 13, verse 3 through 19, it says, Repent therefore and be converted, listen to this, that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Come on. Times of refreshing. Some of you just need to be refreshed. Some of you just need to, hey, you know what? God, I love you. I care about you. I'm not, I'm not trying to sin. I just have no time for your presence. And so I need to repent because really when you feel me, I'm content. When you feel me, I am content. The third thing that happens is we're talking about reset, five ways to reset your life. The third is accept relationships into your life that'll help you see clearly. We're talking about Paul's transformation here. Look at this, let's, let's go on. And then the Lord said to him, arise and go to the city and you'll be told what you must do. Seven, and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. 
But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. He was blind. And now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. Now, that was a lot. I want to bring this back. God is so creative. When you read the Bible, don't just read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible, get in the Bible. Okay? It is amazing to me that the street is not called wicked, lazy, or crazy. But it's called straight. God will send you straight where you need to go. Come on, somebody. I, I lo- God is so creative. Hey, I'm sending someone to straight street. We're going to straight them out straight real fast in a hurry. You know? Some of us are in a season where you need to visit Straight Street, baby. It's been a while. Come on, somebody. It's been a little time. You know it's been put in you. Maybe when you were young and you kind of walked away from it a little bit, or maybe you never grew up in it, but life isn't working for you. When life isn't working for you, you need to visit Straight Street. Because the reality is God knows exactly where to take you to heal you and to free you and to restore you. Hey, Ananias, I got a guy coming to Straight Street. We're going to straighten him out. You know, straight like. Listen, I also love the fact that Paul is praying. You know, It doesn't mention anything about him praying before, but now, because of that moment, it has invited him into the presence of God where God begins to start to work and download into his life. Can I tell you this? If you're not praying, you probably have lost your moments. You know, it's crazy. It's... It would be very crazy for an activist who claims activism never to show up and never to post what they care about. It would be equally as crazy for Christians to say, we want to connect with God, but we never pray. We never pray. Your prayer is a sign that you want what the Lord has for you. And there's only one way to get it, time. Time. And I'm not talking about rub-a-dub-dub, yay God, thank you for the grub, you know what I'm saying? Through the lips, through the gums. <laughs> Watch out, tell me, here it comes, God. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in time where you're able to pull over and you, maybe you got an hour for lunch and you're going to take 10 minutes and you're just going to pull over and you're going to connect with God. Because you know what? You're frustrated. You're frustrated about your boss. You're frustrated what's going on at work. You're frustrated that you've been overlooked. You're frustrated some stuff with your kids. You're frustrated at this moment with your wife or your husband. And you know what? Before I walk into the room with my feelings, I'm going to spend some time, come on, connecting with God 
So, because here's what I know. If it's me, God will heal me and God will tweak me. And if it's her, God will give me love for her. Or if it's him, God will give me love for him. But I've got to get time where I can get what I need. Come on, somebody from him. And 13, and Ananias answered. So basically God is saying, go, Ananias, go, go, go touch Paul. 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard about this man and how much he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there he has authority from the chief priests to bind all on your name. But the Lord said, you go, for he is, chosen, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. Who in this place, who is that? God, wouldn't that be incredible if you, someone in this place, you thought you were a down and out, you thought you were nobody, everybody else thought you were a problem, but really you're the ones to go before our government, you're the ones to go before our officials, you're the ones to go before executives, you're the ones to go before presidents. How dare us be people of faith and marginalize everything that God wants to do? Come on, you don't know. You, you don't know. Right now your child's running, I mean, running around the house, breaking everything that your mama gave you. And you think, dear God, if they even make it. <laughs> if they even make it, Jesus. And destroyed everything I love. <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. Amen. Listen, but what if that young man what if that young woman is about to stand before kings? It, it's very easy for us to speak how we feel, but we forget the truth. And the truth is God can do a conversion at any moment. 17, and Ananias went his way and entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, and the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, he asked me to come. He asked me to pray for you. And, and, and the Bible says that Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, look at this. There fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once and arose and was baptized. And so when he had received food and was strengthened, then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached Christ in the synagogue that he was the Son of God. All who were amazed... <coughs> And said, is this not the one who destroyed those who called on the name, his name in Jerusalem? And has he come here for that purpose that he might bring us bound to Jerusalem? And Paul increased all the more in strength and confound the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus was the Christ. I want to give you three more points real quick. The first is this. The first one that we talked about is there's got to be a moment. The second one is sometimes we've got to willingly, will, willfully repent. And the third is we've got to accept some relationships into our life that will help us see clearly. It is amazing to me how many people, and not us, but how many people receive wisdom from people who don't have fruit in that area. I'm like, huh? Listen, if you're having financial problem, you, you don't go hang out with your best friend that can't pay their bills either. 
and talk about, hey, I just need prayer, help me. They don't know how to help you. Does it make sense? I'm not trying to be rude or crash. And if you, if you're, I'm not talking about you, so this ain't about you. I'm just giving concepts. Listen, if you, the, your, your friend hates their spouse, don't go to them for marriage advice. <laughs> Call me crazy, but I'm just like, somebody needs some Ananias up in this to, to explain what God is doing because I don't know. But the, many times in our life, we fail because there aren't people speaking into our life and helping us see clearly. You don't want a lot of people who agree with your flesh in your life. Because here's the deal, they'll push you to post something you shouldn't. They'll push you to do something that you should. Does it make sense? They'll push you to do because they want you to flesh out. They want you to blow it. Girl, let me tell you, if that was me, but well, hold on, I'm gonna stop, stop. You haven't had a successful relationship ever. <laughs> so I'm sorry I've, I vented, but I shouldn't have. It's, you're right, it's not you. That doesn't mean I don't love you and you can speak to my life in this area, in this area, in this area. I'm not judging you, but, but don't get frustrated if I choose the voices in my life because I'm blind and I need to see. Does this make sense? Did, did God call a new convert to help or did he call someone established? See, that's why we need older people in this congregation who've gone something. And you know, we look around and we see a lot of young people, but here's the deal. I need some old folk. God, bring in the old folk. God, bring in some wisdom. Bring in some legacy. Bring in some people that have gone through something and it didn't kill them. Because, because young people, ah, my life's over. Couldn't get an Uber ride. My Netflix isn't streaming. <laughs> you guys have no idea. It's just how I unwind. <laughs> really deep stuff. You need some people that have gone through, baby, listen. We've lost children and we're still serving God. Something is going on here. You, this is just a temporary thing. I know this is the job you wanted, but let me tell you some stories. See, we got to have some wisdom in the house that helps people go. The issue I'm going through right now, it's okay. Let me help you see it clearly. Let me help you see it clearly. That's why we do life groups. That's why I'm pushing everybody to be in a life group. Well, you just want us to be together. You got me. <laughs> Guilty. Listen, there gotta be some relationships. And listen, I, I, when I start giving out examples, people are like, I think they're talking about me. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying that I've lived life long enough where I have seen people who were growing and doing what God had for them and all of a sudden they got a wrong voice in their ear and it took them out of the game and it broke them and it hurt them because they had no business listening to that and they were so desperate for a friend they let anybody talk. Listen, listen. 
we got to have access to mature believers. We've got to have access to people that can pray and explain. The Bible was written for our instruction, and it's a pattern. The Holy Spirit was given for teaching and comforting the church as a family, and it helps us build strong roots and a place to serve. And life groups are how we can do life with people. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, Two people are better than one, because together they have a good reward for their hard work. If one falls, the other can help his friend up. How tragic is it for one who is all alone to fall and there's no one to help him up? Come on. We all remember, I don't, maybe not all of us, but 5% of us remember the I've fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> Come on. You don't need life alert. You, <laughs> some of you, you need to make some time. You need to get over your anxieties that are causing you not to do life with people. And you need to be vulnerable. And you need to let people speak into your life. Because scales will fall. And you'll see things different. Does this make sense? The fourth thing is this, receive strength. It's interesting to me that Paul received strength after, after he had his moment, after he began to pray, after he said, God, what do you want me to do? After he began to spend some time, after he was mentored and discipled, and after Ananias began to come and lay on hands on him and begin to speak to him, after all of this, then he was strengthened. Some of you want to be strengthened before you go through your process. God, I just don't want to feel bad, but I don't want to do anything to get right. God, take away the pain, but I don't want to go through the process. I want to get it in a healing line. I don't want to make space in my life. Does that make sense? To see God move in my life. And I'm telling you that if you will have a moment with God and be intentional and let Him fill you when you are in lack... And you'll repent when you're off. And you'll hang around people who speak to you. Listen, people, I've heard people say, well, you know the house. All they want you to do is hang around with the same people. That is not true. We cannot live better outside the walls of this church if we're not hanging around other people. But I want us to do life with people who are like-minded. Because that's what the Bible says, like-minded. In other words, I'm getting strong here and I'm going out here. And I'm getting strong here and I'm going out here. That's different by getting my strength by someone who thinks differently. That's different. We're always going to be an outreach culture. We're always going to be loving people. Everyone needs ministry. Here's what you need to see. Paul needed ministry. Not every Sunday we have people come up here. But I don't want a church that is so stoic and so insecure that when ministry happens, nobody can receive it. I don't want that. I don't want to produce that culture. Now, we're not going to be crazy. We're not going to be kooky. But on the same token, when ministry happens and someone's broken, we can't do that because I, I don't want to feel embarrassed. The reality is when you're broken, you don't care because messy's messy. Come on, anybody ever had an ugly cry? Come on. Listen, we got to soften our heart. We got to rest and reflect. 
open up today your heart. Receive some strength. The last one is this, and we're going to be done. Is Paul immediately was released to do ministry. Look at what it says here. Immediately, scales fell from his eyes. He received some food, 19, 20. Immediately, he preached Christ. Immediately, he preached Christ. Now, here, I want to talk about this. Because there is something about using what you have and getting more versus trying to wait till everybody thinks that what you have is good enough. I, I want to say that again. You've got to use what you have because God is the God of use. If you don't use it, God won't fill it. And so many of us are waiting. Oh, I, 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 would, I would like to serve or I would like to lead or I would like to do. But you know what? I tried to reach out, but nobody's reaching out to me. There are wishers, there are waiters, and there are sitters. And here's what I love about Paul. He went from a moment where he killed, he helped kill Stephen. He goes through his process of healing and he immediately starts to preach. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. And the people are pushing him back. Well, who are you? Man, are you two the killer? We don't accept your new revelation. We don't want your ministry. And some of you, you've been hurt by church because you tried to go and preach and some people didn't think you were qualified enough. Come on. And what you, you thought is, well, you should have been a Christian and just let me. But people have to learn to trust you. And if they push back on Paul, they're going to push back on you. But what does that have to do with anything? You keep going. You keep going. You keep going. My mom used to tell me all the time, Stephen, let me tell you something, baby. The only one you can control is what? You. You can't control how I speak. You can't control how the teachers talk. You can't control how people talk. You can't control none of that. But you can control what you do. And here's the deal. When Paul got a little pushback, even from church people, he preached. He preached. He preached. And here's the deal. As soon as they said that, verse, look at this, 22. And Saul increased all the more. Well, what's in you? You need to set that forth. What's in you? You need to set that forth. What God wants to do in your life today. Come on. Maybe you need to have a moment where you repent and you come. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm not playing games anymore. And maybe you need to say, you know what? I'm not making excuses anymore. And I'm going to set forth. You know, a lot of people don't understand Christianity. They think we're crazy. Well, you Christians. You guys, y'all just need a crutch to believe. Listen, the reality is this. Everybody believes in something, and if you say you don't believe in something, you're believing in nothing. But you believe in something. You know what I'm saying? Everyone sat down thinking that chair would hold you. Now, we sat in most of them, hoping that it would. There is faith. And I'm telling you, God wants us to set forth and release our life. And there is a process to transformation. 
and we want it to begin in your life. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.